0: Sarah Parrish, one of the founders of Torch Coffee in Sevilla, Spain, tells the Sustainable Coffee Institute about her experience blazing a trail for specialty coffee in the classic Spanish city. Sarah and her sister Vicky experienced the burden of opening a shop in a country with high expenses and bureaucratic burdens, while also being new to specialty coffee and business. After years of exhaustive work, the sisters saw breakthrough when they gained clarity on the culture of their business, their vision, mission, and values and allowed this clarity to dictate their strategy and tactics. Sarah shares their story here with SCI's Samuel Gurrell.
1: So you kind of know our story. You were with us in China when we were at Greenhouse. And then after selling Greenhouse, there was really a desire to take what we learned through that and help people mm-hmm. through all SCI developed some coffee shop classes like how to start a coffee shop and you remember when I was in Spain we taught the one class there so you mm-hmm. kind of have some kind of overview of that well I spent most of the last couple of years in China working on that and then in 2018 my very last year in China kind of finished the end of that project was getting into the nitty-gritty of coffee shop managers like what should coffee shop managers be doing how do owners and managers work together? What sorts of questions and understandings and stuff should happen between them? What is the role of a coffee shop manager and how do you train someone to do that? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of finished out from a training perspective, everything we wanted to do. And then I got busy moving back here to the U.S. and have, quite frankly, we just had to learn how to be Americans again and get our kids in school and all the weird American things um, that we have to figure out. But now we've been back in the States almost two years and we've gotten in a groove. God's really helped us settle in nicely. It's allowed me to come back to this kind of work of passion I've had, which is around helping business owners. And so it has less to me to do about coffee, less to do about even making the coffee shop successful. My heart is to create a community, create some empathy, create support and encouragement and tools for the actual owners for them to know how to build a culture around their company that allows them to run a coffee shop and stay sane at the same time you know it's kind of the goal forget being profitable to stay sane (laughs) so that's kind of the heart and so the idea is we're writing a book it's going to be kind of a fable based on real experiences but written with made-up characters. Also. I don't know if you've read any of Patrick Lynchioni's books, but he has like the five dimensions of a team and the ideal team player. But they're all written in a stable kind of form where these fictional characters who are going through these things and he kind of details and he teaches the business principles through, through story because yeah. people can have stories.
0: That sounds great.
1: So yeah, so we have some characters. We're already kind of started with the beginning and we're transitioning into the girl, she's she opens the cafe, it isn't going too well. And some people <laughs> help her figure like, out something she's supposed to do. And honestly, that story I've heard two hundred times from different mm-hmm. people. So it's not at all made up It's Just that the character's made up. But just to tell you our entire and you may remember this from my time there in spain teaching this class but my entire idea is that there's layers of what makes a coffee shop successful on the outside what people see is location remodel brand cool coffee cups cute boys behind the counter service whatever those things are that's like the surface level stuff that they see
0: yeah
1: but underneath that There's all kinds of management practices and systems and processes that actually ensure that the big stuff is out on time and looks good, that the coffee is good. It's not happening by itself. There's an underlying system in place at really successful coffee shops. Now, unsuccessful coffee shops, there is no system and whatever happens that day is just literally left up to chance on how Pedro fails when he wakes up and, you know, Whatever the circumstances just kind of happen, but it's successful coffee shop. There's systems and the process to make sure that happen. But then underneath that, there's actually a more foundational layer that most coffee shops never get to, which is really digging into their vision, mission, values, which really becomes a nucleus in the soul of a company and actually is what provide the durability, sustainability, resilience. I remember there was a season a couple of years in. That you and Vicky were like, dude, we're done. We haven't paid ourselves We're working 80 hours a week, like we're just done with this. Yeah. And I think my guess is the only thing that gave you guys strength and encouragement to continue was there's something more to why you're doing the coffee shop. There's more to your motivation than just oh, it would be really cute and cool to run a coffee shop. Like there was something more like we want to do this to have positive influence on Seville, or there's some deeper meaning and, and you guys had found a lot of purpose in your team and your interactions with your team and and the relationships that were built there and that was some of what was motivating to keep going through what was a difficult time and that's what i call the soul of the business or the culture of the business and so that's our entire theory is that hey there's all these exterior things that people think makes coffee shop successful but that's simplistic. There's really these systems and processes beneath that. And beneath those systems and processes and managers, there's a culture. And if you go all the way down to the culture level, you're going to be way more successful. You're going to be way more happy. And your business is going to be way more resilient to pandemics and economic upheaval and difficulty. So anyway, that's to give you context. That's our idea. And what I really hope happens today, we just want to hear what it was like, if you can go back all the way to what you did to prepare to open a coffee shop, what were some of the challenges with finance space and build out and finances and hiring staff and just like, what was it really like? Try to paint a picture for people. What was it like? And then how did that affect you guys emotionally? I know that sometimes it be hard to share that vulnerability, what the feelings going on inside were, but I think that's what people need to hear. Our goal is they would hear this and go, oh my gosh, that's how I felt. I didn't know anyone else felt that way. I just thought I was, you know, really emotional. I thought there was something wrong with me. But we wanted to feel like, oh my gosh, it wasn't just me. That's the whole goal is that people can feel empathy by your story. So Sarah, the way we think about cultures in terms of like Simon Sinek, how this idea start with why these ideas, like people care more about why you're doing what you're doing than what you're doing. So can you talk about some of the why behind open the coffee shop in terms of like, what kind of difference did you want to make in the world? That's another way to think of why is what kind of difference did you want to make in the world or even better? What kind of difference do you want to make in Seville through opening this coffee shop?
0: Even though we didn't understand specialty coffee and we didn't understand how, Prices worked, uh, better quality, higher prices. Like even if we didn't understand that, we saw the conditions of the coffee farmers. And so I think for us, it was in one way or another, we wanted to work in the coffee industry just to see how we could make an impact in that. And we didn't fully grasp how to do that until later on, until we went to China and started seeing specialty coffee. I think that was one of the aspects is working with a product that was from our home and working with farmers and that kind of stuff. But I think on a level here in Seville, I think a big motivating factor for us was the way we run business. Seville's known for being within the hospitality industry, extremely corrupt. They treat their staff horribly. They make them work long hours, not pay overtime, pay really bad salaries. So there's a lot of just like under the table kind of things uh, going on within hospitality here in Seville. So one of the big factors for us is like just to show people as well that you can run a successful business and treat your staff really well and have a really great culture within your business. Do things correctly and you can still make it work. Like you have that alternative. You don't have to do things unethically just because you feel like you have to, that you do have that alternative of there's sacrifices to need, of course, but at the at the long run, it totally pays off. It totally pays off to do business that
1: way. That's cool. So another way I like to think about culture is like, well, what do you wanting to accomplish? I guess I'm curious, did you guys ever explicitly state like, oh, we kind of like to be the most popular shop in Seville or maybe even southern Spain? Would that just kind of happen? Was that a goal?
0: In a sense, it was the goal, but it was more of a motivating factor of doing things with excellence and doing things really, really well. We knew that in order to get the recognition that we wanted to within the coffee community or becoming well-known as a coffee shop, we had to do things a certain way. And so we are very, very, very intentional
1: about doing things with a lot of excellence. Every coffee... It was has more about been. the process and the end goal, more than like, oh, we, we want to be number one, we'll do whatever we can to get there. It's more about, we yeah. want to do the things the right way, and if we do all the things right way. Yeah, I mean, I just can kind of remember going through that process and like you guys started pumping your way up on TripAdvisor and Yelp and people started recognizing what you're doing. But I want to go back. So part of culture is people call it core values. I like to prefer to call it behavior. You started talking about that in the work environment. So talk to me more about whether things that were behaviors or values of how you guys operated internally as a team, what were the things that were so important? Like, Hey, you just have to do it this way. And if you don't do it this way, you just can't work here. This is kind of a, this is kind of a line that you can't cross. To me, those are core values or core behaviors where they're not optional. These are not just good sounding ideas. Like some core values are like excellence or whatever. But it's like to the point where a torch, we do it this way. And if you're not willing to do it this way, you're going to have to find somewhere else to work.
0: I think for us, it was having a good attitude and respecting one another and communicating properly. We had a couple of people that weren't working 100% with an excellence, like their work was a little sloppy, but that can be worked on. Like your the way you prepare coffee or your latte art or that all stuff can can be worked on, but someone having a good attitude, being respectful, communicating properly. That was something that either you have it and you work within our culture that way, or it's just not going to work out. So I think Mm -hmm. that was a huge thing for us is we had a couple people that made great coffee, had tons of knowledge, super good baristas, but didn't have that and it didn't work out.
1: Okay. So we talked about the different layers of coffee shops and what really makes them successful. we said that, I mean, you guys had kick-ass coffee and kick-ass pastries and cute boys. You guys kind of had the the trifecta. Of everything you want in a coffee shop, you know, muscly shoulders behind the counters and everything. Uh, <laughs> they went there, and the guy's works out more time per week than he's actually at work, you know. And I'm like, yeah, very handsome, but uh. but no. So my question is: Were there ever systems in place? What at what point? Did you guys start going from you and Vicky having to be the symphony director, orchestrating everything, to actually having systems in place where people uh, knew there were standards and procedures and systems to make sure things were happening on a daily basis? At what point did you start putting in systems?
0: I think both Vicky and I were very intentional to try to establish systems right off the bat, at the very beginning, even if it was just her and I working, because we knew long term we didn't want to be behind the bar we knew the only way to get to the point where we wouldn't have to be behind the bar is to have it to where we could easily train someone in and they can just flow into the workspace the way we were working. So I think we were pretty intentional um, right off the bat that we were wanting to establish systems, but I don't think it was until maybe within two and a half years, the first going into the third year that we really trying to like focus in, like we got to get the systems in place and like everyone working the same way. So I would say it was probably between year two and three that we really focused
1: in on it. Can you think of a specific example of there was something that was not working, disorganized, you weren't getting the results you wanted, and you built a system? What was one of the systems that you put in place that like made life better when you're like, oh my gosh, we I'm so glad we did this? Can you think of a system that really worked?
0: I think everything that we established was pretty important. Like how you are saying, putting the kettle back in the same place, putting the rag in the same place. But I think the two that really changed the whole dynamic of work was how we communicated through the tickets. And we had this whole system set up of like, who's, who's on register. They're able to communicate everything that needs, needs to be known through the ticket and they pass it on to the barista. And there's a whole system of like, who, who pulls what, how we communicate that someone's already pulled it. I could go behind the bar at any moment and grab a ticket that was in line. It was just, we put them up in line. I could look at a ticket and know exactly where they're at. And it got to the point where it was literally, I could just pick up a ticket and I knew, okay, this dessert's already been pulled. It's ready to be pulled. And they're working on the coffee and it goes to this table. And if there's any notes on it, it's like all the communication through the, through tickets and it flowed perfectly. There was never confusions. So everything got to the table on time, as long as they follow the system
1: okay, so I have a system, you're getting great results. How did that change the way you felt? Like, how did you feel pre-system when there was a lot of confusion, things were going wrong, and then how did you feel post-system?
0: Pre-systems, there was more confusion. Customers were unhappy because there was a lot of missed orders or the dessert got to the wrong table or we would forget something or it would be taken at different times. So the customers were happier after we got the system in place because they were being served better. There was a lot less tension between the staff because now there's better communication. Everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. They understand how things are done. And then I was a lot less stressed out because I didn't have to worry about, did the dessert get to the table? Or I knew everything was getting done because the
1: system was now in place. How many different improvements on that system? My guess is you didn't just one day come up with a system it worked flawlessly. How many times do you think you tweaked the system to get it from... Hey, we're trying to communicate with tickets to it's actually working every time smoothly. How many different times did you change the system?
0: I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I think it was just when we saw an issue would come up constantly, or there would be a problem that happened. Like we start seeing that it was like not a one time thing. We're like, okay, we got to figure this out.
1: You think you tweaked that system less than 10 or more than 10?
0: Probably more than 10. More um, than 10 things like, okay, well, uh, table numbers or like, little things that we would add to it or change or would this be better? But I think the, the good thing is, is me and Vicky were pretty intentional about trying to establish these systems while we were working behind the bar. Then mm-hmm. we were the guinea you know, pigs because mm-hmm. that would have caused a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration in the staff of like constantly. Now we have to do that as well. Or why are we changing this again? So we keep trying it to see if it worked. And then we kind of adapted it while we were behind the bar so once we started hiring staff on, then the system was already in place and they were being trained right off the bat of the way it was supposed to be done. Instead, so constantly changing and adapting because that would have been very confusing and very
1: frustrating, I think, for staff members. Actually, I don't think you know how smart that is because I think that's one of the main places systems fell is like when people just try to delegate that or even abdicate that to the staff. And they're like, just come up with a system. It's like, well... As a business owner, that's kind of your job is to create the rules of the game, and the system, and then the employee's job is to follow those rules and they can give you feedback and they can be a part of the process, but you can't totally advocate that out unless you just happen to have the exact right employee, which just may work. Do you have any examples of the other end of the spectrum?
0: Well, I think of two examples. When it comes to the systems we have set up with our tickets, here in Spain, things work business-wise totally different. So I've heard like a lot of our customers, or a lot of our employees, within joking kind of said I was too rigid, which could be the case. <laughs> um, but because they're used to working at coffee shops or at restaurants here, where it was there was no systems in place at all, and so when they came into Torch, we were known for being very organized, having systems. And so there's this one girl that was working with us, and she was really good, but she had worked at another coffee shop where there was no systems, and she had a really hard time getting onto the system because she felt it as a lack of trust in her. Mm. And so we're like, well, we tried to explain it to her. We showed her how it works, that kind of stuff. And it was actually pretty cool because it took her a while to get on the systems and to accept the systems. Like she was kind of resisting it a lot, but then one day her old job called her because someone was sick and they just asked her to do one shift and she went and did a shift at her old job. And she came back the next day. She's like, Sarah, I now understand. <laughs> <laughs> and she was totally grateful for it. And so it, it took her to go back to working with Ounce systems to finally realizing how she, easy. She,
1: she it much yeah, she, she didn't realize how much she actually it was benefiting from it until she didn't have that.
0: But I think the hardest part was when we tried to establish the systems with the daily responsibilities and cleaning because that was actually something we added in later on because since me and Vicky were the ones doing it, we kind of knew what needed to be done and cleaned and we would just kind of go cleaning as we needed. But once we started having more staff, we started realizing that there was a lot of conflict of like, well, I did, I cleaned more and this person hasn't done anything and who's going to do what. And like they pick favorite cleaning jobs and leave the ones that are not as enjoyable. So we had to create a cleaning chart kind of thing for all the responsibilities and we included everything from like making the smoothie bags, making the cold brew, like more barista type responsibilities. And then all the cleaning, like cleaning the windows, uh, all the cleaning of the locale. And it was a lot of work to try to get everybody on board with it because it was, it was out in the open. They were being kind of competitive of who did how many chores a day, who did what. But once we got everyone on board with it, then it actually worked really well because I didn't have to tell anyone what they had to do that day. They would go in, they would see the list, they everyone knew what needed to be done, they knew there were consequences if they didn't get it done that week. So then it worked really well, but getting people on it was a lot of work. A lot of work. They were also pretty resistant on that.
1: One of the major challenges for a coffee shop owner can be when they bring in a manager. At what point did you guys have a coffee shop manager? How long have you been open before you hired someone to, to be a manager?
0: We added in a shift leader probably by the two and a half years in, just for the shift that was in the afternoon that we, were, we weren't always there just to kind of take lead on that shift. So we, t- we added in a shift leader as soon as we could. But a manager was on, I think, our third year. So we had a store manager during the last year that we were open.
1: Honestly, usually the relationship between managers and owners are pretty challenging. And usually the disconnect is the owner doesn't really know what they want because they're not very active in the coffee shop. Your situation is kind of unique because you had actually been the manager for three years and you created all the systems. And so essentially you were able to give this store manager a lot of clarity on exactly what you wanted for them where most coffee shop owners are like hey i have a coffee shop it's not working it's kind of broken we have no the systems know what you're supposed to do to fix it but you're the manager i'm hiring you to fix it make my life wonderful and you can imagine how that works out because they start to try stuff and the owner's like oh well, you can't do that you know you don't have authority to do that and the, the manager's kind of left there going. Well, what authority do I have? What can I actually do? You given me a broken mess with no authority to actually change anything and no clarity on even. You don't even know what you want out of this coffee shop. You don't have a strategy, and I'm somehow supposed to work in that. So I guess what advice would you give to owners that are hiring a coffee shop manager? Like what are the things that they need to give that manager?
0: I think like the, the biggest point is like, where's the vision going? Then we were pretty clear on that with him. Like, what was it that we wanted long-term? And then within that vision, long-term, we tried to give him some liberty to be creative and find ways to do things better. But we were very clear, like all our systems were in place already when he started working. So he actually started working as a barista. He was able to learn all the systems and he started working really well. That's when we promoted him to the store manager. So we were very clear about vision, where we were going as a coffee shop, the systems we had in place, how things are done, how we manage things. We were also very clear once he became a store manager on his authority. We didn't want any confusion with the staff of like, well, do I talk to Jesus or do I talk to Sarah? Or, but if Jesus gets onto me for something, is that really authority or do I still go to Sarah? So we were pretty clear. Like if Jesus says something, it's, you have to go with what Jesus says because we wanted to make sure that he had full authority And felt that he had enough um, liberty to make decisions when we weren't there. And so we're always like, if Jesus says something, then go with what Jesus says. And if me and Jesus have to talk about it later on afterwards, then we'll go back and like kind of correct things or like, hey, maybe next time. But with the staff, we always make sure that he had enough authority to do his job and get stuff done. And we also give him a lot of liberty of like, if he saw something that he felt needed to be fixed that he would still feel that he can do it. Like the systems were in place, but there was still some stuff, like inventory products that were being thrown out. Like those systems weren't 100% yet. And he worked on what we had established and made it better. So still like kind of establishing clarity on systems we had in place, but also giving him liberty to do his job and make things better.
1: What I'm hearing you say is almost more important than having the right systems. You guys had created a culture of systems you had created a culture where people knew when they come to work here, it was almost part of your core values that we do things in a systematized, organized way, which is actually a cultural concept that if you want to work here, you almost have to adopt and appreciate the value of systems and so that your store manager not only has fallen them, but he believes in this concept enough that he's building an improving systems mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, what question should we have asked that we didn't ask?
0: I think for me, the one of the biggest learning points has been I'm still trying to do it because I feel like I have the tendency of wanting to hold on to things for too long, which you've been super helpful with. Is like, when is it important to keep going and not let your emotions get in the way, like thinking through things that are a little bit more logical or when is it time to just say, OK, I've I've done my best. It's not going to go anywhere from here and it's time to to move on. If I would have given into my how tired I was and how exhausted I was and how frustrated I was on year two, then I think we would have quit too early now looking back at it. So I think that's super important is kind of learning that it's, it's going to be really tough and it's going to be very hard. and It's going to be exhausting, but if you just push through it, then at the end it's totally worth it. And even if our, our business, we have to end up closing it because of COVID and that kind of stuff for us, it's been, it's been totally worth it. Of pushing through those harder times, even though we were hard, it was hard and frustrating. Of just pushing through.
1: How has this entire journey molded your faith? You know, I know you, you believe in God, and you went on this journey. How did this journey affect uh, your relationship with God?
0: I think it's a big mix of things. I think it's it's being able to see how things have worked out, like the connection with you, and then how we were able to find investment and like. How just everything was kind of laid out for us at the beginning to try to get this open, like one hundred percent God, like there's no other explanation for that, and then how we paid how we paid our bills the first three years, I have no idea how we did that. we weren't making any money <laughs> so how is it that we're not making money? We did accumulate some debt, but the amount of debt that we accumulated is not like yeah. for being a business that was failing for the first three years, basically um how we made it through is helped me. Grow my faith in God at a whole new level is yeah. now seeing Him as like not just God up there, whatever, but like someone is God that cares of your daily business and interacts with you and helps you figure things out and like that kind of dependency and got in the knowing God in a totally different new way of as like a business partner. He's in this with us instead of just God up there and that's it. But then there's also been moments that have been a struggle. It's like this, you know, I think when COVID first hit was a huge struggle and I was really angry at God for a while of like, well, now you got us to a good point and now you have permitted this. And like, why? Like, I just understand why, why things had ended the way they did. Like, why did you give me hope in selling the business? And why did you allow me to get to a good point just to get to now basically lose everything again? Mm -hmm. But then I understand that like the same way God provided and helped us get through At the beginning, when we first open, then he can do that again.